They're crazy, they're zany, and plain nuts. But they love Jesus and America's Keswick and all of you. Here are the hosts of the Bob and Bill podcast, Robert Hayes and Bill Welty.
Are you staying or leaving? <laughs> well, we're, no, I just was We're curious. recording. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, welcome to episode eight of the Bob and Bill podcast. You never we're know what's going to be happening right. here. We're so glad you joined us. This is Easter week, so we're trying not to horse around. That was a really, really neat arrangement of when I survey the wondrous cross. It's a beautiful hymn, and I love both versions of the hymn, and I love that we go into the minor verse because I think it helps us to think about the words in a fresh way. But... Elizabeth uh, Welty played that. That's your daughter-in-law. That's my daughter-in-law. And we're real excited today and Friday to have Dr. Dave Edwards with us to share God's Word. Uh, He has been a speaker for a lot of our singles events, but we had him back this summer to be one of our Family Week speakers. He's an amazing communicator of God's Word. And the message that we're going to air was one that he spoke on Wednesday night. And I'm showing this one because he's talking about the victorious Christian life from Romans chapter 8. Let's give a listen to Dr. Dave Edwards. If someone were to ask me to take care of their kids, there would be a learning curve for me, right? I think we've established that tonight, that I, I would not know what to do. And I'm not hiding that. And if someone said, here, I want you to be the godfather of my, parent, uh, of my kid, and yeah, here they are, uh, there, there'd be a learning curve. I'd have to learn some things. I know that I, I, I know that I don't know what I'm doing. Now, someone would have to coach me through it and tell me what to do. Well, the same thing is true when it comes to Christianity. That for all of us to learn how really free we are, there's a learning curve, right? We can be told that, we can be preached at, and told that we're free and that God loves us, but there is a point that it has to become real to us, right? It's the same way if someone just gave me a kid and said, take care of it, I would have to get somebody to tutor me through this deal. Well, it's the same thing with Christianity, that we've grown up a certain way, that before we give our life to Christ, we've been discipled by the world. We were discipled by the culture. And so now we enter into this whole new way of living, and it's unfamiliar, and it's strange, and it feels odd. And, and, and just to say, hey, God loves you, good luck with that, sometimes doesn't do it. That we have to, have, we have to know how to navigate this learning curve into the free, our freedom in Christ, into the life that he's designed us to have. And this is one of the things that Paul is doing as he's writing to these Christians in Rome. We looked at Romans 12 last night. Tonight we're going to look at Romans 8. And Romans 8, he is talking these readers through how free they really are. They were living in an environment that was turbocharged with religious ideas. And so Paul dismantles Rome, not with a sword, not with a weapon, but with a pen. And he takes to writing out the depth of Christianity, the depth of God's love, the freedom that we've been given in Christ, and line after line, and word after word, and chapter after chapter, he builds this picture of how free we really are. And so one of the things that he's taking on in Romans chapter 8 is he's taking on what I call counterfeit Christianity. Counterfeit Christianity in a lot of ways, looks like Christianity, it feels like Christianity, but in reality, it doesn't produce any fruit. It doesn't produce the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't bring us into freedom. It doesn't make us look more like Christ. And yet, I think a lot of people unknowingly drift over into this track of counterfeit Christianity. Maybe we didn't know that's what it was called. Maybe we thought that was our only option. Maybe that's what people introduced us to. But some people unknowingly have ended up on this track that they assumed was Christianity. But for many of us, it's this counterfeit Christianity that's been the source of our anger and the source of angst towards the church and the source of disappointment and frustration. 
It's because that's, that's what counterfeit Christianity breeds. And so Paul then is dismantling this whole idea of counterfeit Christianity in order for them to see the real thing. So if you're a note taker tonight, if I was going to give this talk a title, I would, I would just take it right out of our Galatia 2.20 and call it the life that I now live. Because here's the deal. We have to be able to know, how would you know if you're on that track? Right? This is the question I want to answer tonight. How would you know if you drifted over into this counterfeit Christianity? What would be the things that you would look for? What would be the signs of someone that has drifted over into counterfeit Christianity? Well, here we go. So in Romans 8, Paul lays out, Five signs, right, or five signs that come out of this that we've drifted over into counterfeit Christianity, right? There's really four signs, and the fifth one is the, the turning point. So here we go. Number one, the first sign is that someone who's put their life on a counterfeit Christianity track is always focused on the score. In other words, they have a scorecard mentality, Right? In other words, in their mind, they're keeping score of how well they're doing with God. We're picking this up in mid-thought, but look what he's saying. Now, when I watch this, Romans 8, and skip down here at verse 4. Look what it says. So that the requirement of the law, at the time Paul's writing this, the law that dominated, the religious law that dominated Rome, had 613 commands, 248 mandates, and 365 sacrifices. And so the system of the law in Rome, the religious system, had a list of 1,300 things. And they said you had to do every single one of those, and if you missed one, you were out. Right? It was a pass-fail system. And so people, man, they had a scorecard mentality, like I've got to do all the sacrifices, I've got to keep all the commands, and I've got to do all the mandates. And if I miss one, I'm out. I've disqualified myself, and I've got to start all over again. It was a, it was a total system of pass Pass or fail. You see it? And yet, some of us, we've grown up just like that. We've grown up with a scorecard mentality. I did. I grew up with that. My church, my, where I had Sunday school, we had everyone's name on a poster board. And every time we did something good for God, we got a, a star next to our name. Every time we showed up at church, we got a little star. And every time we brought our dollar to tithe, we got a little star. And every time we memorized a verse, we got a star. And every time we did something good, we got a star. I mean, you walked into my Sunday school room, and it had all the names of our class. And next to it, all the stars. Next to my name, I had a lot of stars. I was a good church guy. But in my mind, I, you know what that it taught me to do? It taught me to keep score. And so I thought, well, every time I do something good, then God must love me more. Right, if you're taking notes on that first point, this is the cent one of the central lies of, Christ uh, of counterfeit Christianity, is that if I'm good enough, long enough, God will love me more. If I do more good things, then God is more pleased with me. And so some of us, we've grown up just like that. We've grown up with a scorecard. And we, and we check it off in our minds. We think, I've done this. I've been to church. I'm on leadership. I sing in the choir. I've done some good things. I've been on mission. I've memorized verses. Look how good I've done. And we get, we get a little ego stroke off of it. We think, man, the better I am, the more God loves me. You see it? But here's the problem with every scorecard. Uh, every major world religion has a scorecard. Every major world religion has a scorecard by which they determine whether you and I make it into heaven or not. But the problem with the scorecards is that they're all created by people. They're all created by people's ideas and the, what they think we need to do in order to get in. 
And so what happens if we spend our whole life checking off our scorecard and we get to the end of our life and realize the scorecards were wrong? What then do we do? If we think that we're going to get into heaven based on our behavior, then our only hope of making it past the pearly gates is that we die on the same day that a politician and a pro athlete dies and that God grades on a curve. That's all you guys hope for. That's it. Right? That's it. And yet, for some people, we got this scorecard, right? Counterfeit Christianity always tries to work its way up into the presence of God. Right? If I'm good enough, long enough, I'll get closer to God. He'll love me more. If I, just act, if I just act better, if I just clean my life up, real Christianity is God moving towards us through the life of Jesus Christ. See the difference? Counterfeit Christianity always tries to earn its way up and in the presence of God. Real Christianity is God reaching out to you and I through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's vastly different. And so the first question we have to ask ourselves is, do you have a scorecard? Have you been keeping score and thinking that if you're good enough, long enough, God will love you? Right? The second sign of somebody that has drifted over into this counterfeit Christianity track is that they're fueled by self-effort. They're fueled by self-effort. Look what this says. Ready? Look, look, look at this. Look, look at verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh. See that word flesh? Every time you read that word as Paul is writing this, he's talking about the system of religion. In Rome, he's talking about this old system that had these 1,300 things. So every time you see the word law or the word flesh, that's what he's talking about. Right? Now, now, now look at this. Ready? Look at this. For those who are according to this old system of counterfeit Christianity, look at this, set their minds on the things of the flesh. In other words, what can I do to make God love me more? Right? This is one of the central ideas of, Christi of counterfeit Christianity is that I got some things in my life that I need to change. I know my life's not perfect. I know I'm not where I need to be, but I'm going to change it, and God, you watch me. God, you watch me. I'm going to get my life together, and you're going to be really proud of me. I know I'm not perfect. I know I got some things in my scorecard I didn't check off, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to clean my life up. I'm going to get it together, and God, you'll be pleased. You know what that is? That's self-effort. That's self-effort. Right? Um, the mind set on this old system of counterfeit Christianity always tries to fix itself apart from God. That's self-effort. Now, the problem with self-effort is that it sounds spiritual. Right? Self-effort often masquerades as spirituality. It wears this mask of being very holy and very sanctimonious. So let me give you some things that, that sound spiritual but are just really self-effort. Here's one. Well, you know, I'm very involved in church. Great. Congratulations. You know, I found it to be true about most people. Most people don't know why they go to church. Someone just told them when they were growing up, hey, there's a God and he's watching you and you better get yourself to church. So they did. They're like, someone told me I need to go. I'm not sure. No real understanding that the church is the government of God, the place from which he administers his light into a darkened world, that it's the community of faith, the army of God to extend his kingdom. No real understanding that they just were told to go, and it was on the scorecard, so they went. And it sounds spirit. I go to, I'm very involved in church, but it's just self-effort. Well, here, here's another one. Well, you know, I go to church to worship God. Great. But haven't we all learned by now that all of life is an act of worship? 
I mean, haven't we all learned by the words we use and how we treat our friends and how we lead our marriage and how we raise our kids and how we drive in traffic are all acts of worship? But if counterfeit Christianity has its way, it takes something that is supposed to be fluid and passionate like worship and reduces it to something that you do one day a week. That's self-effort, right? Here's another one. Well, you know, Sundays are sacred. <laughs> okay, now... But just by show of hands, how many of you guys grew up going to church? How many of you just grew up going to church? And all that? Okay, how many of you guys have had the experience of trying to get your family ready to go to church on a Sunday morning? Anybody had that experience? That is the least sacred day of the week. You know it is, right? You're, I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to get your kids ready for church, and they turn into the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You know what I'm talking about? Right, and all the and your Sunday morning, your house is total chaos, right? And you're in the kitchen fixing breakfast, and your husband's asleep in the lazy boy in front of ESPN Classic, and one of the kids is reenacting Lord of the Flies in the bedroom, the other one is just kind of adrift in the hallway, and all of a sudden one's missing his shoe and one's missing his sock, and you're like, We're gonna be late for church. I don't know where your shoe is. Why would you wait tonight to look for your shoe? Right? And all of a sudden you're kind of at each other, like I oh, we, we gotta go. Get just just put a sock on, let's go. And you're like and you're angry, ah, right? And you get everyone out the door, and you push them in the van, you slide the, the van door, and you're like, we're going to be late for church, right? You're driving along, the husband behind the wheel driving along like that, and that's just the time that the brother picks the time to torment his sister, and he takes his finger and starts poking on her shoulder like that, just finds that one spot like that, just finds that one spot, and the dad angles his mirror at it and glares at the kids and goes, don't make me come back there. Do not make me come back there. And man, he drives along, and the kids start like tormenting each other. And the and the man and the guy driving takes his arm and tries to swat at the kids. The kids always just sit just out of the reach of the kids, so you can't quite. They're like little ninjas, right? They sit in just the right part of the back seat, so that no matter how hard you swat, you can't get them. You know what'll solve that? A little tap on the brake. And all right, tap on the brake, throws them right forward, bang, right there. I thought you said you didn't know anything about kids. I'm sorry. I, I held back a little bit. And so, right? right? And so now the brother's poking on the sister's arm like this. She's like, stop poking me. And the dad's like, stop poking your brother. And he pulls his finger away. Your sister pulls his finger away and goes, I'm not poking you. I'm not poking. She's like, I know, but I can feel the death beam coming out of your finger. And he slams on the brake and says, listen, you two, you better settle down. Here. We're going to see Jesus before we get to church. I'm not kidding. Right, then you wheel into the parking lot and you open the van door. And you're like, go to Sunday school, right? And you walk across the threshold of the church and it's, good morning, pastor. <laughs> Sundays are sacred. We've come to worship. <laughs> right? You know that's true. Right? Now, let me ask you a question, all right? How is it we can almost kill each other on the way to church and then walk into church and act differently? I'll tell you how. That's self-effort. That's just knowing how to act based on the environment that you're in. That's just self-effort. Right? The, the, the fact that we could argue and, you know, strike at each other and verbally strike at each other and get in arguments and have meltdowns and lose it emotionally and then walk onto the church property and say, we're here to worship. We come to take notes and go to Sunday school. It just means that we've learned how to flip the switch that's all that's just self-effort 
Some people grow up and they, they're taught this. They're discipled this way, right? They've watched their family. They've watched their mom and dad do it, right? And they, so they learn how to do it. And so we go to church and we flip on this God switch and we give God answers to Sunday, in Bible study and Sunday school. And we take notes and we sing these songs and we look very sincere and we clean up good. And everyone goes, man, this is a great family. They're so good. They're so nice. Man, they love God so much. And then the Sunday service is over and then we go back to the van and we turn off the switch and we act a different way. We've got another set of language, different set of friends, different environments, other things we do during the week. And then we go back on a Wednesday night, flip on the God switch, and we do this God thing. And we've managed to learn how to play the game and to fit into the culture. And what it does is it keeps everyone from asking any questions. No one really probes because they think, well, they're so nice. They look so great. And it's deceptive on any given Sunday morning because all of us clean up so well. Right? We're all fresh. We've got nice clothes on. And we think, man, these people are nice, but... We've learned how to float, throw the switch. We've learned how to flip it on and off, on when we need it, off when it's inconvenient, on when we got to impress somebody, off when it crowds into our weekend and what we do. Some of us, I bet, have been faking our way through church because that's what we were taught to do. The nature of counterfeit Christianity is that it's always fueled by self-effort. You see it? We just learned how to do this stuff. That's not real Christianity. That's counterfeit Christianity. And this is what Paul is dismantling. He's trying to get these people to break out of this old system of thinking religiously. And he's saying there's more to it than that. You see it? So, right, the, 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 fir the first two signs, they're always focused on the score. They're always fueled by self-effort. And then number three, counterfeit Christianity always produces fatal success. Fatal success. Let me read this to you, and this tell me if this doesn't sound fatal to anybody else but me. Look at, down at verse 6. For the mindset on counterfeit Christianity. Look at it. You see it? For the mindset on the flesh is death. <laughs> Does that sound fatal to anybody? Doesn't that sound like a sudden stop to you? Right? The, the, um, the mindset on this counterfeit Christianity track, he's saying that the end result of that is death that it doesn't produce anything. So if you're taking notes, let, let, let me give you what I call the fatal successes of counterfeit Christianity. Under that third point, it always makes people mean-spirited. You can always tell when someone has lived their life on a counterfeit Christianity track because they're mean. They're mean towards other people. They're judgmental. They're intolerant. They're picky about church and picky about other people. I'm not a big conflict guy. Right, I, which is why I'm not in a relationship. I don't need any more conflict than I already have. And uh, yeah, so, and I've had my run-ins with you know religious people in my lifetime, and they always say the same thing. They say something really judgmental about somebody, and I'm like, you know, I'll say, you know, it's really not your job to be the Holy Spirit of somebody else's life, and they always say the same thing. I'm just trying to be biblical. I'm just trying to do what's right. I'm just trying to be biblical. You know what they end up doing? they end up driving everyone around them away from them, including God. I mean, listen to what this says. Tell me, listen to this. Look at this. Look down at verse 7. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. Hostility towards, you know what hostility towards God is? I got it. I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. I'm here to keep everybody else in check. Right? That, that's mean spirit. Look at that. It's hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not able to do so. And those who are in counterfeit Christianity, look at verse 8. 
cannot please God. Even God goes, that's too religious for me. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Even God goes, I think I'm out. And one of the fatal successes is that it makes people mean. And mean people and hurt people tend to hurt other people and drive people away. And I just want to say, if you've ever been hurt by somebody in church, ostracized because of something that happened, cut out of the community because you went through a divorce, judged because you had a struggle or an addiction, I just want to say that's not Christianity. I just want to say to you that's not Jesus. Jesus doesn't act like that. Not once in the gospel you see Jesus cutting people out or cutting people off or judging people because of what their struggles or what they went through. And so what you see in the gospels is Jesus always entered into our suffering and, and takes it off of us. But counterfeit Christianity makes people mean. Not only that, but... Well, I trust you enjoyed part one of Dave's message. We're going to air the second part on Friday. Uh, we want to encourage you to join us for Worship Live every day, Monday through Friday at 1.30. That's right. And then tonight, step into the story with Phil Tuttle and the ministry of Walk Through the Bible. You, you and Joyce and Carter did that last We did. Time. We sat through it. I thought it would be a really good thing for Carter to be a part of. And uh, so we all learned the motions together. Okay, so let's have you do the motions. Okay, so it's creation, fall, flood, uh, nations. Abraham, Isaac, uh, Jacob, and uh, Joseph. Joseph. Good job. Yes, yes. <laughs> so tomorrow is our Good Friday service, and we'll be live streaming that at 1030. It'll be on BoxCast, YouTube, and Facebook Live. And uh, we're doing the seven last words from the cross. We'd love to have you join us for a part of that. So look forward to having you back on Friday at 2.30 as we do episode number nine. God bless. If you enjoyed today's podcast, let us know. Write us at bewealthy at americaskeswick.org, or it'll be down in the description below. If you'd like more information about us, you can visit our website at www.americaskeswick.org. Join us every Wednesday and Friday at 2.30 for the next edition of the podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Tyler, and have a good and godly day.